Welcome to the PCTR Podcast. I'm Robbie Itterberg, Senior Pastor. I want to thank you for listening today. We hope that you hear from God and that this podcast encourages you in your faith journey. You can connect with us on social at facebook.com slash PCTRNJ or our Instagram handle, PCTRNJ. Or you can find more information or resources at PCTR.org. Have a great day. Peace. And as we transition into our message today, I have a question for you. Which type of person are you? The type of person that has to learn from the school of hard knocks? Or are you the type of person that can learn from others' mistakes? Um, sometimes we can see that people uh, have a tendency to learn from the school of hard knocks. It's sometimes easy to see in our neighbors and our coworkers, maybe even our family members, our kids. Um, and uh, it, it can be a, a challenge. It, it, sometimes we carry this burden that we just wish the person would hear the, the wisdom, the, the insight that we're trying to give them but we recognize that they're not going to hear it from us. And maybe it's just us. Maybe they could hear it from someone else. And maybe some people just won't hear it from anyone at all. They have to go through those painful experiences. And that is a reality uh, that, that some people have. But hopefully we can all get to a point where we can learn wisdom from other people's mistakes. And uh, if that is the place where we're at, then the, the passage that we have and the book that it comes from offers us a lot of opportunities because the early church at the beginning, 2,000 years ago, was not perfect. And um, many of the letters in the New Testament were written to address difficulties. And churches were were uh, experiencing difficulties, and the one that we're talking about today was so challenged that they received not one letter, but at least two letters, because they were having a whole host of issues. And um, I'm talking about 1 Corinthians, and I want to just give you a little bit of background that will kind of enliven the passage that we're going to get to. But Corinth, first century Corinth, was a little bit of San Francisco, a little bit of Las Vegas, and a little bit of New York City. It was quite the place. Corinth was a major port city in the ancient world, and it had lots of temples to both Greek and Roman gods. And it was a big economic center. It was positioned at a place where lots of goods were passing um, uh, through, and so they had access to things that most people would not have access to. And as um, many of us know, it, uh, being in a port city, as things are coming and going, there's the opportunity to make money uh, in, in, um, as things are passing through and providing for that. And so it was a powerful economic center. And so Paul, as a missionary, saw this as an opportunity in a strategic place to go and do ministry. And he ended up spending a year and a half there getting to know the people and presenting Christ to them. And he built relationships, and um, by the grace of God, uh, uh, people came to Christ, and a church was formed, and they were on their way. And so 
Paul being called by the Holy Spirit, directed to move on to other places, he did to continue sharing the gospel message. And um, he was hearing about um, some challenges that were happening there. By the way, you can hear about all Paul's ministry um, in Corinth in uh, Acts chapter 18, if you want to read more in depth. But um, Paul had gone on, as we read about in the rest of Acts, and he was starting to hear that there was these difficulties. There was a number of issues coming up. They were plagued by these issues, and the issues were varied. There were questions about the leadership of the church. There was questions about sex and sexual relations. There was questions about food and could people eat food that had been um, uh, killed in the name of an idol or dedicated to the name of an idol. Um, There was questions about worship gatherings. And then there was also questions about Jesus' resurrection. And so Paul spoke to each of these situations. If you read 1 Corinthians all on its own, it reads almost like a collection of essays on these different topics. But along the way, Paul is talking about the situation. He connects it to a piece of the gospel, and he's calling this church in Corinth to return to the gospel that they had originally received, that they would live into it, that they would not be so far away from it. And that's what he challenged them to do in each of these situations. And he was addressing one of the questions we're really kind of zeroing in on, and the passage is a slice of where he is addressing the leadership issue. And the leadership issue comes from the fact that after Paul had left, other um, Christian leaders had come and had presented the gospel and had guided the church and supported the church. Someone by the name of Apollos and uh, Peter had also been there, and so they had a variety of these teachers, and people started to pick their favorite teacher. They almost became like groupies of them uh, and uh, that particular leader and were disrespectful of people that would follow other leaders, and this was causing tension in the church. And um, Paul had a response. It's a larger response, and so I'm going to just summarize it for you, what he had to say. Um, It it goes a little bit like this. This is a a paraphrase. This is not the whole thing. Um, But to sum it up, he basically says to the church in Corinth that's bickering about leaders, he says, you've got to be kidding me. The church is not a popularity contest. The church is a community of people who are centered around Jesus. Its leaders and its teachers are simply servants of Jesus. So while you might prefer one leader over another, it's not worth dividing over and certainly not speaking poorly about each other. The center of the church is Jesus. The good news about him, who he is, and what he's done. So that's the larger message, and our passage comes from a slice of that. Let's now turn to the passage. Now that I've kind of given all this, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Listen for God's word for us. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you 
the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. This is the Word of God. Thanks be to God. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your Word. We ask that your Spirit would be here and enliven our minds, enliven our hearts, that, you would, that we would all be able to hear you speaking to us, that we would fall more in love with you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. So I've described this colorful place of Corinth. Corinth was, in my words, a place very full of itself. Full of itself religiously, philosophically, materially, hedonistically, nihilistically. They had all these different things. And they were so out of step with their contemporary world, it was actually considered an insult to be called a Corinthian. You could, in, you could insult someone by saying, you are such a Corinthian. Like, Ooh, that would sting. That would, that would be a, a very serious burn uh, for people it, because they just felt that they had it all and they were um, it just, you know, so confident um, but very confused and out of sync. And Paul um, moved towards them. And he could have talked to them uh, about religion. He was experienced. He grew up in a Roman town. Um, he uh, went and studied in Jerusalem under one of the most famous rabbis of the time. Uh, he could talk about religion. He could talk about philosophy. He could talk about a variety of different things. And we see him talking about this in other places. But he, in this place, to make an impact in this place that was so full of itself, that was truly longing for Christ, but they just didn't realize it. And you could see it in their plays, in their, um, in their songs, in their worship, uh, in, in all of these different things. They're longing for God, but they don't realize it, and they're deceiving themselves. And so Paul simply presented Christ in the midst of it all. That's what he, re- he just was absolutely settled on, is that he would present Christ to them and not create some kind of artifice, that he did it humbly. He, in fact, he describes uh, how he presented it was in weakness, with great fear and trembling. He was not creating a show. He was not trying to present one thing and that they would be so impressed by his presentation that they would be won over. It makes me think a little bit about when my family a few years ago, we went to New York City and we went to Radio City Music Hall and we went to that Christmas show. Have any of you been to that Christmas show? 
And it's quite, the, it's quite the deal. It's quite the show. You're, you, just getting to New York City is a whole thing. Um, and then you're getting to your seat, and you know, it's so busy around Rockefeller Square. And you get your seat, and there's that massive red uh, curtain. And um, while you're waiting, you're entertained not by one organ, but two organs playing. And, um, and then you have this show. The curtain goes up, and there is this show. Uh, uh, of, uh, you know, the stage dressing, um, the choreography, and then the rockets with the high kicking and the spinning, and uh, it's amazing. Truly, all their practice pays off. That's quite the show. If someone came out right in the midst of that, they could probably deliver a message, and it would probably be impactful. Um, But that's not Paul's approach. He did not want to create a bait and switch, create a show, put on a show, and then say, oh, so you should believe in this. He did it humbly, without fanfare. He, he did it humbly, with great fear and trembling, and he presented Christ. And it's a powerful thing. When we just set Christ free, Christ does not need us to protect him. Jesus is not a weakling. He does not need protection. He just needs to be set free. I think that's what C.S. Lewis was capturing in the, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia when he had this image of Aslan. And Aslan is the Christ figure in that story or the collection of stories. And um, people have a sense of reverence for Aslan. Uh, Aslan is a uh, a lion, and you don't just casually walk up to a lion as if we were uh, in the African Serengeti and we see a lion. Be, uh, I would not just walk up to a lion. Um, you've got to be careful. And Jesus is powerful. He's not a weakling. And um, we don't need to trick people into it. We just need to simply present who Christ is. And it's so winsome. People have this longing in the midst of us. Pascal, Blaise Pascal, uh, a French uh, Christian um, from a few centuries ago, talked about a God-shaped vacuum, that we have this emptiness in us, and we just need to clearly present Christ and um, accurately present him and let Christ do what he's going to do. That's what Paul was doing, and that's the challenge for pastors and missionaries and everybody. Sometimes pastors, I'll I'll say transparently, it's a temptation to confuse the messenger with a message. And um, churches have recognized this, and I heard about this one church in Los Angeles, a famous, beautiful um, church. It's um, known as the Church of the Open Door, and they have on their pulpit there a plaque so that anyone that comes up to that pulpit to deliver a message encounters this quote from John chapter 12 where it says this, Sir, we would see Jesus. And it's a reminder that that's what it's about, that it's not about the messenger. It's not about the way we do it. It's about the message It's about the person of Christ and who he is and what he's done. And so the challenge for pastors, the challenge for 
for missionaries, the challenge for all of us as everyday Christians is to attempt to just clearly present Christ. And we don't have to protect him. We just need to set him free to do what he's going to do. And we can do that in a variety of different ways. Um, We can um, um, uh, know Scripture well. We can share Scripture. We can point people towards Scripture. And we can have our testimony. How Christ has made a difference in our lives can be an incredibly powerful thing. And we're called to share that, to share our testimony, to share why we have hope. Elsewhere in Scripture, it talks about, uh, or it says, in season and out of season, we should be prepared to give the reason for our hope. And that's a fancy way of saying that we should be ready to say how Christ has made a difference in our life. When, whether we're planning on going and having a coffee with someone and we want to really share Christ, um, a planned moment or an unplanned moment, we should be ready to share the reason for our hope. There can be those intentional conversations, but there's also the powerful thing when lives um, are lived alongside each other and someone sees how a Christian lives their life and how they face difficulties, how they face sickness, how they face death, how they face loss of job or whatever the situation, and that there can be something different about them. And one of the most amazing things is when someone asks a Christian, why are you different? What, what gives you hope in the midst of this difficult situation? When someone asks you that question, that is a moment. And you want to be ready to share the reason for your hope. And that's Christ. That's what Paul was doing. He was doing it with great fear, weakness, trembling. He just put it out there. And that's the challenge for us. And so I encourage you to think about it. What would, what would be your answer if, you were, if someone asks you that question, that amazing question? And uh, think about how you would describe you have that hope. How would you describe your relationship with Christ? It can be a, such a helpful thing, and um, it, it, it can be impactful. It's helpful to share, but when someone asks you, that is a golden opportunity. And so think about that and pray about that and how you might make use of those opportunities. As I'm coming to the close here, I'm going to turn the corner here because, frankly, this is my very last uh, message here with you. And I want to say this, that um, no one's perfect. I'm not perfect. But what I've tried to do is to point people towards Christ in what I've done. And it's been so fun to collaborate with you in, um, in sharing that message to our community and the world and just point people towards Christ. It's been my and my family's joy to be here with you over the last five plus years. Um, and you guys will always have a special place in my heart, and wherever we go and whatever we do, I pray that we are together unified and just presenting Christ, that people would know Christ more, that they would fall in love with him. Amen?
Please join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Paul's example of presenting you in, in fear and trembling. Lord, help us to be ready in season and out of season that we would be able to share the reason for our hope, that we would resolve to be just about you, that we would connect, that we would have ears to hear, eyes to see, and, and connect with people your good news. Lord, it's been so impactful for, what, uh, for our lives, and you've transformed our lives. Lord, for those of us where this sounds like a new thing, that we're curious about it, that we feel like we perhaps don't know about this, um, that we want more of this, Lord, we pray that you would, your spirit would move in that situation, that people will be drawn to you, to come to know you, the joy that we have, the rock that we have that's your son. We love you very much. We pray this in his name. Amen.